Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. I'll tell you, right here on the front end, where I'm going to be landing the plane this morning. My hope and prayer is that by the end of this message, you'll be inspired to, and the Holy Spirit will move in such a way that you will commit, for some of you, perhaps for the very first time, to actually pick up the Bible and begin reading it consistently for yourself. I've shared some of this data in the past, but but recent, like post-pandemic data has revealed that only about a quarter of American churchgoers will, will read scripture outside of Sunday mornings. With generous estimates saying less than 8% of you are spending daily time in, in the Bible. Now, now that's a bit of a problem, especially since I haven't been shy about admitting since we started this church that the single most important habit that you could develop in your life is what we refer to as as daily encounter. That that daily time where you actually pick up and and read this book that we call the Bible. You, You spend time sharing honest thoughts and feelings with God through something we call prayer. You create space to just listen to the small, still voice of God. You cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's there where a true relationship with Jesus is is actually born. As important as these Sunday mornings are, and and they are important, it's a mandate laid out in Scripture that we gather together to learn, to listen to sound doctrinal teaching, to gather together to to worship, to sing praises to the living God. But but, but as important as these corporate gatherings are, that they're they're not single-handedly going to cultivate a true relationship with, with God. If you're relying on this one hour each week to sustain a real, a vibrant, an intimate relationship with God, it's going to fall woefully short. These Sunday mornings serve as a sort of weekly pep rally to to inspire, to encourage, but but then it's on you to, throughout the week, put in the work to nurture that relationship. And a huge part of that rests in opening the scriptures, God's word, and giving it space to speak, to inspire, to, to transform. So back to where I started. My hope and prayer is that as a result of what you learned today, and more importantly, as a result of the Holy Spirit working in you today, here on March 19th of 2023, this will mark a sort of a new beginning for you. The, the, the day where you begin to prioritize your relationship with Jesus like, like never before. Where you begin to open this text up and, and allow it to speak to you. If you're new to all this, and that sounds a bit intimidating, it's like, good grief, a friend just kind of invited me to watch this today and maybe bribed me a little bit. I didn't know there was going to be homework. I, I get that. But, but even you, I, I'm hoping that you'll at least give this a shot and heed the challenge that I'm going to issue at the end of this message. But fair enough? Can, can you all appreciate the upfrontedness that I'm offering today? All right, let me tell you how I've structured today's message, or I should say how the Holy Spirit has, has crafted this message. Now, I'm going to start with your, with your head, uh, hopefully answering some basic questions about Scripture, how it came to be, what, why we feel it's so important. Uh, then I'm going to transition and connect it to your heart, because all the knowledge in the world doesn't really mean much unless it connects to your heart. And then lastly, as just mentioned, I'm going to make this all kinds of of practical, issuing the entire church a challenge and giving you some hands-on tools that I think will help both the person that's brand new to all this as well as the individual who's been at this church thing for their entire life. 
I'm all kinds of fired up for this morning, but by the way, uh, now would probably be a great time to mention that we're about two-thirds of the way into a series titled uh, Ecclesiology, which as we've come to discover, is a rather grandiose, fancy theological term that describes the study of doctrine pertaining to the Christian church. We very intentionally set aside these two months leading up to Easter to teach on some of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. In a world where there's a greater and greater propensity to, to conform virtually everything into the image of man, it's, it's as important to make sure that we as, as followers of Jesus understand the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. To, to be clear, there are plenty of gray areas within the Christian faith that evangelicals have been arguing about for millennia, but, but there's also some stuff that is as black and white as, well, black and white gets. That that's what we're attempting to cover in this series. For the follower of Jesus, you ought to be able to reasonably articulate what it is that you believe and, and why you believe it. But for the person who's just beginning to explore, you owe it to yourself to understand as completely as possible what it is that you're potentially signing up for. So I would argue that, well, this is some pretty important content. So if you haven't been here for the entirety of this series, I would encourage you to get yourself caught up at grumlaw.com slash messages, or you can find us under Grumlaw Church uh, wherever you grab your podcasts. Now, a, a question I found uh, that many Christians d- don't know the answer to, and it's, it's a pretty important one. And remember, we're, we're starting with the head. We're just kind of giving you information and, and knowledge first is uh, how did the Bible c- come into existence? Or, or, or who determined which books would, would be included? How is it decided that those 66 books, and some of you, maybe you don't even know that, that the Bible is actually a collection of 66 smaller books put together to form what we refer to as the Bible? In, in theological terms, we use the term uh, canon. This is the term used to describe the books that are divinely inspired and thus belong in, in the Bible. In church, like a lot of content in this series, today is going to very much serve as an appetizer on this topic. I spent entire semesters studying and learning what what I'm attempting to teach in 30 minutes this morning. But that's the primary point that I want to make sure that we all understand. The, The books we find within the Bible were the books that were divinely inspired. Or or, or said another way, God decided which books would be included in, in the Bible. A book of scripture belonged in the canon the moment God inspired its, its writing. Now, now, the Old Testament, that is the first half of scripture, has had little debate. It, it, with those texts being settled since before Jesus even stepped onto the earth. As Josephus, the Jewish historian, put it around 90 AD, for, for all those such long ages have now passed, no one has ventured neither to add or to remove or, or to alter a syllable. Additionally, it would be Jesus himself during his time on earth that that he would validate the words of the Old Testament on several occasions. Uh, We get one such example from Luke's gospel account. Uh, Then Jesus said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, that is the Old Testament, and and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. To to only further add to the validity of the Old Testament scriptures being divinely inspired, not only is the Old Testament frequently cited by the New Testament writers, there's actually not a single instance of a New Testament writer citing an Old Testament book that isn't included in the 39-book Old Testament canon. Now, admittedly, the, the New Testament has had a little bit more debate. And it goes without saying that the God-fearing men have, through the ages, played a role in determining what was inspired by God and, and what wasn't. 
The basic checklist to, to determine the canon that has been used throughout the ages has always consisted of the following criteria as to which books would be included in the New Testament. Uh, number one, uh, was the author an apostle or, or did the author have a direct connection with, with an apostle? One of those individuals that spent real time with Jesus in the flesh. Did this individual spend all this time with Jesus? Or like Paul, who we know spent time with, with James and Peter, did, did the author interact directly with someone who did spend significant amounts of time with, with Jesus? As the saying goes, did, did the author hear it from, from the horse's mouth? Uh, number two, is the book accepted by the body of Christ at large? It's important to note that the work of the Spirit doesn't happen only on an individual level, but, but also on a, on a corporate level. The unity among the New Testament canon, among the church at large throughout all the ages is, is nothing short of remarkable. Uh, number three, does the book contain consistency of doctrine and, and orthodox teaching? Does it contradict other teachings contained within scripture? Or, or does it hold to the central tenets of the Christian faith? Remember, our God is, is a God of unity, a, a God of clarity. He's a God of order, as it's put in 1 Corinthians. For God is not a God of disorder, but, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And, and then number four, does, does the book bear evidence of high moral and spiritual values that would reflect a work of, of the Holy Spirit, God in spirit? In, in other words, does it seem like God's behind those books or, or man? Are the values that are being presented more consistent with human behavior or, or godly behavior? Again, it's crucial to remember that the church didn't determine the canon. No early church council decided on the canon. It was God and God alone who, who determined which books belonged in, in the Bible. It, it was simply a matter of God's imparting to his followers what he had already decided. That the human process of collecting the books of the Bible was flawed, but God, in his sovereignty and despite our ignorance and stubbornness, he, he brought the early church to the recognition of the books that he had inspired. Church, again, this is a foundational truth of the Christian faith. And, and consequently, a central tenet when we speak of the Bible, the, the scriptures, and admittedly, it takes faith. You have to exercise a trust in God to, to adhere to this. As a quick kind of footnote, this is an underlying theme th throughout your walk with Christ. You shouldn't believe for the sake of belief. Get answers, investigate, ask the hard questions, but you're never going to know with 100% factual certainty. And that's true of all areas of life. And every single day and virtually every moment, we are exercising faith. At a certain point, when it comes to your walk with Jesus, you are going to be required to take a leap, to, to exercise some faith. It's again why we call it, well, faith. So see, early on in, in your faith journey, you have to wrestle to the ground. Is God true? Is he trustworthy? Can he be trusted? And if the answer is, is no, your entire walk with Christ should be marked by, by doubt and, and suspicion. You should pick and choose your way, frankly, through the Bible. But, but if God is true, if, if, if he is trustworthy, it means that naturally so is his word. It means that if God is true and trustworthy and he is the one who inspired the, the, the writers of scripture, then, then what is asserted in scripture is holy. It is completely true. Remember, he's the God of peace. He's the God of order. He's not going to contradict himself. We don't get to pick and choose our way through scripture, tossing everything to the side that contradicts what we feel to be true because scripture, again, is a reflection of, of God himself. 
we've said it this way before, to, to pick and choose your way through his word is to pick and choose your way through, through God himself. You end up conforming God into your image rather than allowing him to conform you in, into his. Remember that fourth point used to determine the canon of Scripture. Do, do the words bear evidence of high moral and spiritual values that would reflect the work of the Holy Spirit? Does it sound more like man or, or God? If the Bible is to reflect the very nature and character of God, we should expect it to disrupt our human inclinations regularly, often. It's not about us dragging God down to our level. It's about us being pulled up or lifted up to, to his. One example, and this is Jesus speaking. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on, on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is, is perfect. I mean, I mean, come on. Does that sound like the thoughts of like the average American? Or does that sound more like the words of a good, loving, perfect father? Is that an attempt to drag God down to our level or an invitation to be pulled up to his? See, the minute that we abandon the inerrancy, the authority, the trustworthiness of Scripture, we're abandoning God himself. Again, I'll say it, we begin conforming God into our image rather than the other way around. And in turn, it becomes a sort of self-worship. We end up worshiping ourselves. And come on, as Jesus points out time and time and time again, are, are you a very good ruler? I mean, how does your life tend to turn out when, when you're the one calling all the shots? I have much more to, to say to you and much to condemn. Again, Jesus speaking, but, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is, again, Jesus' testimony about the Father, he is completely truthful. Church, I've admitted this many times publicly. There is plenty within the scriptures that disrupts my preconceived notions, that makes me squirm, that I just, come on, don't like. It's those moments, that those words from God himself, as I've fallen more and more in love with Jesus, and admittedly, it hasn't always been this way, but it's those moments that I become increasingly thankful for because I know it's God protecting me. See, if God is all loving, his truth is an extension of that love, often protecting me, protecting you from that which, which we don't have the current vision to see. God's attempting to take us somewhere that is beyond ourselves. He's again pulling us up to his level and ultimately into deeper relationship with him. In church, this is where I'm going to bring this full circle. This is why a true relationship with him is so important that you're cultivating true relationship, intimacy with him through that daily encounter. See, without relationship, his word, the Bible, it reads like a list of do's and don'ts. It's an oft confusing rule book that's only going to restrict your life. It's going to keep you from living into what you perceive, what society would lead you to believe is the good life. But within the context of relationship, 
His word becomes our guide for life. It's a loving father trying to protect us from from that which will ultimately lead to regret and remorse and, and guilt. It becomes an invitation into peace, into joy, into contentment, something that we're all chasing after, that the actual good life, that the, the better life. It's the creator's manual for the creation on how to thrive, not only in the here and the now, but, but for all eternity. Uh, let, let's just say, and I've used this illustration before, uh, you know, we've had kind of a winter with, with lots of ice storms and so some inclement weather. And let's say a, a tree fell down in your backyard. And you're like, I need to take care of this. And so you kind of price it out with the professionals. And you're like, that's just a lot of money. I, I'm going to go buy a chainsaw for myself and, and take care of this myself. But, but you've never operated a chainsaw before. Well, well, fortunately for you, right, there's a manual that's included with that chainsaw. And you read that manual from front to back because you understand that it is the manufacturer's way of protecting you. You don't know how to use it. The people that made it, well, they do know how to use it. And they place that manual in there so that you don't hack one of your limbs off. So it is with God's word. His unchanging, his inerrant, his 100% true word. A manual for life from the creator for the creation. Church, I I want us to reflect for a moment on how kind God is to to give us his word. It's a a gift. He he divinely inspired these writers to put this stuff down. And and then he preserved it for thousands of years for for our benefit. Seriously, think of how kind that is. He, He doesn't need it. He doesn't need to be reminded of his truth. He wasn't worried about forgetting, like, oh my goodness, we've got to get somebody to write this stuff down, or I'm just going to forget about it. No, no. As an extension of, of his kindness, he, he preserves it for you and I. Because he loves you that much. Because he cares for you that much. Because he is that for you. He longs to, as it says in John chapter 16, guide you into all truth. Not just the stuff you agree with, but come on, more importantly, precisely the stuff that you find yourself completely disagreeing with. He's looking to, in so many ways, protect you from from you. As I spend time in his word, I'm I'm reminded that, that my way is often not the best way. That God's truth is, is an invitation into better. But, but, but most importantly, his living, breathing word is an invitation into relationship with him. And, and if you don't know his word, you can't know him. To ignore his word is, is to ignore God. You, you can't separate the two. To, to know his word is to know him, that they're one and the same. If we are, Grumlaw Church, to to be a true faith community, a God-breathed, inspired community, we must be a people who firmly root ourselves in in his word. So, as promised, uh, let me move into the very, very, very practical. 
Uh, a challenge that I'm going to give to the entire church, both the online audience, in person, everybody who would call this place their, their church home, is I would like us as a church, like literally the entire church, like if you call this place your church home, like you're a part of this, uh, to read the book of John here leading up to Easter. There happens to be exactly 21 days from now in, until Easter Sunday, and there are 21 chapters in, in the book of, of John. And so right now, if you're watching online, you can go to our social media channels, Instagram or Facebook, and this plan will actually be posted there. If you're joining us in person, uh, we'll actually have a physical bookmark for you. Uh, And again, I'm I'm just going to challenge you to read a chapter a day here leading up to Easter. Now, can we even imagine, and and I'm serious, like this gets me so excited. Can we even imagine what God might do in, in our lives, in this church, If every person who called this church home took this challenge seriously and threw themselves into his word leading up to Easter, that that, that rather than less than 8%, remember that statistic from the beginning of the message? We bumped it to 100%. It it literally like gives me chills just thinking about it. Revival, true revival is always rooted in lives saturated in his word which probably shouldn't come as a surprise since his word is the very extension of God himself. Saturate your life in his word, saturate your life in God himself. And again, if you're sitting here today and you're new to all this, I would propose that this is a can't lose proposition. I think you might be surprised at what you find in there. There was a doctor that previously attended our church, had to relocate due to the job, and she started coming to the church uh, really because like her kid had a bunch of questions, her husband kind of wanted to go, that was a part of his past, and she was like, you know, so I, I kind of got drugged along. But, but in passing one sermon, I mentioned that, that Luke, the gospel account according to Luke, that Luke was a doctor, and her ears perked up because she was a doctor. And, and so she grabbed a free copy of a Bible, and she started reading through the book of, of Luke, and, and she was shocked at what she found. She, she actually later confessed that she thought that the Bible literally contained a bunch of like religious chants and, and things that, that we say here in churches, and she couldn't believe it was just a biographical, historical account of the life of Jesus. And it was through reading the book of Luke and then the subsequent Gospels that she stepped into a real relationship with Jesus. Again, you can't lose on this. If you've never picked up the thing and read it for yourself, I would invite you to do so. And again, the book of John is a really great starting point. Now, in order for you to throw yourself into his word, you, you sort of need a copy of, of the Bible, okay? So, so a couple options here. Again, if you ever join us in person, we would challenge you to do that. We have free copies of, of the Bible every single week at Grumlaw Church at both locations. And we gra- invite you to actually grab a physical copy. But if you're watching from home right now and, and you don't have a Bible sitting around, please, I invite you to download the U version. It's totally free, all different types of translations, uh, all different types of reading plans. Download that thing and, and you will literally have the Bible at your fingertips. Uh, I promise you, you can find like 10 minutes again in a given day to read one chapter a day. Uh, thank you, God, right, pr- pr- for preserving your word for us. You are so kind, you are so good, you are so loving. Heavenly Father, uh, again, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for the gift that, that, that is the Bible. We, we thank you that uh, as we read this text, we're just reminded over and over and over again of, of the intense love that, that you have for each one of us. In so many ways, it's, it's a love story directed at us, the, the story of a father desperately trying to win back relationship with his most prized uh, creation. I pray, God, that we would be a faith community that would honestly just take a challenge like this pretty seriously. 
that we would be a people here leading up to Easter that, that would begin to just saturate our lives in your word. We love you so, so much. In your name we pray. Amen.